Welcome to episode 24 of the Cincy Postcast. We have a fantastic episode for you. I'm just so excited about this part one. We get to talk about, I, I mean, I think we all agree, the best win in FC Cincinnati's short MLS history. In fact, I put it up against any USL League match as well. In part two, we are talking about our All-Stars, Brandon Vasquez, Lucho, up in Minnesota, putting on a show, specifically talking about uh, what is Vasquez's future here in Cincinnati, and then finally wrapping it up with a, uh, a brief version of Soccer Blog Book Club, and then looking ahead at the Atlanta match this weekend, and that is going to be your episode 24 of the Cincy Postcast. Oh, and joining me to talk about all of that and more, we've got two gentlemen who I'm wondering if they're like me, and they vaguely remember a time when the Post wrote articles. We've got the Chief and Grayson Chalmers. Chief, how are we feeling tonight? We're recording right before the All-Star Game kicks off. What Are we nervous? What are the vibes today? I mean, by the time everyone listens to this, the East will have already won. Um, Vasquez will have already scored three goals. Two assists from Lucho. He will have completely cemented his legacy as the next call up to the United States national team. There will be no doubt left in anyone's mind. The only the topic of debate today will be how he couldn't have started, how he and Lucho started on the bench in this game. So, I mean, it's awesome. It was it was a hell of a game. I'm so excited for everyone. They got to watch this. It's awesome. I, no I personally for. can't believe that Greg Berhalter walked out the midfield after the game and committed seppuku. <laughs> like it was it was I've never seen anything like it. No, and to have Just to have so shamed after missing out on the talent that is Brandon Vasquez for so long. <laughs> oh, and that was that was the lovely voice of uh, Grayson Chalmers. Yeah, that Pat no- Pat Noonan came out and you know after Greg Burhalter killed himself at midfield that he took over and coached oh. for the big win. I mean, what a moment for Pat. Unbelievable. <laughs> more twists and turns and more shifting alliances than a wrestling match like this was this was incredible oh my gosh guys i've never been that interested in an mls all-star game but uh we'll we'll touch on this more in part two but uh it's nice to have a rooting interest to a reason to pay attention to this week i think in years past we we were more thinking man it's really nice to have a break we don't we don't have to watch a game this week um so uh it's it's nice to have a rooting interest People always talk about like you got to find your why, you know, like you got to <laughs> yeah. find out your reason yeah. for why you're doing what you're doing. And uh, I found my why this weekend. It was a three-one win over the Philadelphia Union. <laughs> it was indeed. My goodness. Now we have to talk about this match first. Uh, I know the the debate immediately after the game, the the following day, where this win ranked in FC Cincinnati MLS history. Hell, I think it gives the USL years a good run for its money. Uh, that was a three-one just thrashing of the Philadelphia Union, your number one seed, uh, number one team in the East, a team Cincinnati had never beat. Um, This was the most complete performance we've ever seen of Cincinnati. Was it not, Chief? Most complete, yes. 
yeah. I mean, the only match that really comes close to this is that Portland match, the yeah. first MLS home opener. Um, but no, they beat the shit out of the union. I mean, they, they, they probably all qualify for Amazon stock options for how badly they smashed the union on this. It was, <laughs> they, it was lie. just, it was a dominating <laughs> effort. And at no point did Philly look like they were in this match. They weren't able to generate any offense to speak of. Their one goal was a deflection and kind of a fluke, like goes over the head of Roman when he's not expecting the deflection to happen. But they could have scored easily six goals in this game. I mean, Haglin misses a header that goes barely over the bar that probably scores 90% of the time. Lucho Mm -hmm. hits the outside of the post, should have been a a goal. Brenner gets flagged for a handball on a goal where he was – you know, just unlucky that the ball bounced up. Like, he was in position to score that. That was just an yeah. unlucky break that he gets hit with that handball. Vasquez damn near bicycle kicks a shot over the keeper <laughs> at point-blank range. that one. Like, yeah. <laughs> they beat the holy hell out of Philadelphia. I mean, I don't – if there was anything that you were – like, I'm not, even looking to nitpick this team, I don't know what you say other than I don't know that they didn't – see the game out with a fourth goal or a fifth goal as they were going down the stretch they could have i have no idea uh, so there, my, I, there's a note i don't have it my, my yeah. nitpick i think was was something that maybe was just for that weekend i think that uh lucha was trying to make miazga feel feel welcome because he kept holding on to the ball <laughs> <laughs> uh but but yeah i get to deep get, cut <laughs> Somebody Google like Miazga honk <laughs> and you'll get that. Such a deep cut. I'm glad, like, I'm that glad was we such haven't a slow burn of a this. joke. It was. It was. <laughs> um But I was I was ready to be it was really tough to find something mad, to be mad about because like yeah, there were some questionable ref situations. Um but they didn't cost us a result, so I'm not going to really dwell on those. Um, the one thing that I was going to be really mad about is that the the union goal that was deflected, mm-hmm. the stat, the official stats had recorded an assist um, on that goal and a goal by Aronson, and Lucho had not been officially recorded an assist on uh, Barrial's goal. But Whoa. that has, but the, I, I I don't know why. Maybe because the ball after Barriel dribbled it once, it deflected off of a defender. But they mm. did they did correct that. Oh, so, okay, okay. Total so champagne we are, problem too. Right. So that. we are starting we are starting to get some respect finally. I mean, MLS is the league that will hand out the unnecessary assist stat. So it's well, very needs weird it. that but they he needs it because he's going to be awarding. like the golden uh, the, the golden assist or whatever the. Right, he's in the MVP right? race. Every one of these stat lines matter. All these for stats him. matter. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, I don't know how many contracts are, are done this way, but you could be even seeing, you know, performance bonuses based on assists or assists and goals and things like that. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we did get hosed on that one call, but hey, we booed the shit out of the refs, and nothing bad happened. Like the game just sort of continued on, and we didn't see, get. Like, we didn't get brutally fucked on any of these calls. So, yes, you can boo the ref when you don't (laughs) like something that happens and life goes on. It doesn't matter. 
the the one thing that did annoy me is is the VAR call on Brenner, which I've watched every single replay. I still think it comes off his shoulder. I understand that these are just Cincinnati glasses I can't take off. That's fine. I'll accept that. What killed me in the moment was the referee was more than happy to let this thing go until the Philadelphia players surrounded the referee, pleaded a case, and then it went to review. Now, I don't know if the VAR was already looking at it. It seems like a weird thing that the VAR would have would have been looking for in that instance because it seemed pretty clear-cut in the moment that it came off of Brenner's head. Uh, but it was the, the Philly players surrounding him. I don't think I saw Philadelphia picking up a fine for the you know crowding the referee or whatever the official term is. Um, that annoys me. That that is the like annoying misapplication or or the not the misapplication. There's the unequal enforcement of the laws in and around FC Cincinnati. Um, if I'm usually the one who's like pretty chill on the referees, that just really really bugged me. So I. I- I saw that the the Philadelphia players surround the ref, and I had the same thought live watching the game was that you know they're telling him to to look at it or whatever, and and, right. and you you see that not infrequently where where the other team or, or I don't know maybe our team I only notice it when it's the other team will surround <laughs> yes. the ref and then the ref will make a call that mm-hmm. that is you know favorable to them and. I hear all these folks who are like, you know, leave the refs alone. FC Cincinnati has a reputation of being a, you know, the players complaining to the refs and the crowd booing the refs. And I feel, I feel like I'm being gaslit because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every, every team I watch surrounds the ref, complains yes. to the ref, touches the ref, you know, yeah, you don't. You know why they and, do it? Because it works. Because yes, you yes. can surround the ref. You can bully the ref into doing things. It happens all the time in this sport. And not just in MLS. You watch over in the Premier League. They howl at these officials every time they think that something has gone wrong. They surround the ref. They try to delay the game. And mm-hmm. yeah, you buy yourself. And even if you don't buy that call, you buy the next call that's a makeup call where they're looking extra hard because the ref is thinking to himself, hey, I might have fucked that one up a little bit. Let's see if I can pay it back and pay it forward here a few a few minutes later. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I just – when people say you know that that makes FC Cincinnati unique or the Bailey unique or the stadium unique, I just don't know what the fuck they're talking about. No. Right. It's not you know, because you, you see it everywhere, every game, every league. Are there players who are worse than others? Yeah. I mean, you know, there, but frankly, there's guys, you know, I've, I used to watch a lot more than I do now. I used to watch a lot of Premier League. Um, but there were guys in that league who I just didn't understand how they were still allowed to play soccer. <laughs> cause like, cause like they would, they would absolutely brutalize guys, you know, yeah. and, and get like a yellow card or not even a foul called. And, um, other guys, you know, they're always touching the refs. They're always, you know, talking to the ref. And it's, you know, it's refs are inconsistent. Yeah. That's just, that almost, just is what it is. It's not our fault. And I think it's some weird Cincinnati inferiority complex to act like, you know, we are bringing this upon ourselves and yeah. we yeah. should just. We should just shut up and take our medicine. I think it's a we're, weird. I think it's a weird posture. And we're a ca- we're a Catholic German city. We're nothing if not rule followers and like you know 
really adhering to authority. That's kind of our yeah. brand. <laughs> the deferential well, to the uh, the anointed one in the middle of uh, the middle of the uh, the facility of the venue with the uh, the special clothing that we're all supposed but, to listen but you know to. What, well, you know what I loved maybe about all this though is what I loved was that okay, so they get maybe hosed by the officiating on this. Um, they still go. They see the rest of the half out. They don't yep. melt down after that happens, and then Brenner comes back and gets his goal in the second half, where. For all we've heard, there's been some narrative about like, oh, you know, the the negative influence the crowd can have in these moments, and you know, now the bad officiating can spiral out of control. No, they got they got hosed on a call that you know, okay, could it have been a handball? It's it's one of those calls where I know, I know Kevin, your to your point, whatever you call on the field, if you let that go in the field, then you didn't see a handball because you right. can watch that replay. 30, 40 times and come to 30 different conclusions about where exactly on the arm that ball hit. And if it's, you know, if it's replay is what we've been told that it is looking for clear and obvious errors, it's impossible for me to believe that a clear and obvious error occurred on the field, not calling that handball. But even still, they battled back. They kept their composure. They really didn't have that dip in performance that we see a lot when previous FC Cincinnati teams have gotten hosed by a call. Saw the half out, and they came out in the second half, and they just they they just skull fucked them. It was un it was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and and even you know I wouldn't even say that that the goal that they gave up late in the game was really them, you know, letting it letting down or failing to see the game out. I mean, they made it. There was a sloppy, there was a sloppy sequence. Um, Philadelphia's you know the best team in the East. They ca- they capitalized on it and still got you know ex- got an extremely lucky bounce. That 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 put the ball just in an impossible position for Celentano to deal with. I mean, that is going to happen, right? That's you an know, MLS. That's, that's an MLS moment. That's yeah, a, that is an MLS, MLS touch, just an MLS touch, an MLS pass from Celentano, an MLS touch from Nelson, and just an MLS unlucky break on the deflection like that. That was just you're going to. That's why keeping clean sheets in this league is so damn hard is because there are moments like that that happen in just about every single game that you play. Um, yeah, that that moment too in particular, given who it was, Paxton Aronson, I was like, I just gave him the immediate benefit of the doubt and assumed he meant to do that and had chipped Celentano because everything I've heard out of Philadelphia and around the U.S. Men's National Team program is that they like Paxton more than Brendan, that he is a more complete player and we just saw Brendan Aronson terrorize the Premier League so I, I was all ready for like ah shit here comes this little kid he's gonna fuck our day up after <laughs> after watching the Leeds game and seeing just and seeing how how good Aronson was in his very first game in the Premier League I would have believed literally anything from Pax's <laughs> from Pax and Aronson's foot <laughs> I don't know anything about their parents. Were their parents professionals? I know Pulisic had like semi-pro parents or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I have I have no idea. I was wondering the same thing though. It's like yeah. some some Marvel Cinematic Universe super soldier program where they were all you know test subjects of some sort. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, you know who also stood out? I mean, the second half is really where this game opens up. Um, and to the Chiefs' point, yeah, I mean, the mental fortitude to fight to the half and and then to, to put the, the pedal to the metal in the second half was incredible. Barial stood out to me in this game. I mean, obviously an incredible goal. Um, 
he's someone that I, I think we've had some interesting conversations this week about what do you do with Barial going forward, given how well he is sort of fitting in at this left wing back role. Um, Grayson, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Is does Barial make Matarita? You know, surplus to requirements to borrow a, a Britishism, or or does he go? What do you think? Um, I don't. I don't think he makes Moderita surplus to requirements. I don't think you know a fully healthy Moderita should sit behind Barial under any circumstances. But the but I put I you know, I posed the question on Twitter largely just as like kind of a hyperbolic you know <laughs> joke about just trying to like say like how good. Um, Barial was, but as with like any what I think obvious joke on Twitter, people took it really seriously and started having like really strong opinions about it. <laughs> you know, and and I, you know, we all we all we all post how we post, man. Right. Like you, <laughs> I but, forget the uh, all I forget the considered. online. Yeah, I forget the online rule, but it's um, without making it explicitly obvious, uh, satire will always be confused uh, with extremism. Basically, is the uh, it's like the parody and 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 uh, absolutism or extremism just is like indistinguishable on the internet. So I think on Twitter, especially have... too, it's, yeah. it's just Twitter. It's <laughs> but, it's really the, the the satire bleeds into the reality way too way too often. But here's here's what I here's what I do here's what I do think about that though. Right. And I mean, like, I purposely wrote what I thought would be read by a lot of people as as an overreaction. But Who I think that, that? If, I think that if I think that if Barreal, you know, if, if what we've seen the last couple of games is what is what we're going to see the rest of the year. Um, I think I think it does raise a question of, you know, how quickly do you need to rush Madarita back into the team? Right. I mean, I think. You buy him maybe a couple games of coming in as a coming in as a sub in the second half to be a little more cautious with him, versus the second we think he's healthy to start, we shove him in the lineup because we're so desperate there. See what this yeah. for me. What what's interesting about this for me is what now I'm very intrigued about is I am very very intrigued what this looks like with Matt Miazga on the field, where Ooh. you have a high quality center back on the field because the undoubtedly what you are sacrificing with Barrial is you're sacrificing a bit of defense where I think that unquestionably yep. Moderita when healthy is going to provide better more competent defense um, down the sides but if you have a premium defender in the center who is athletic who has played mm-hmm. at a very high level then all of a sudden maybe the trade-off you're making on Barrial for the offensive production, maybe that starts to make a lot more sense. Where the it becomes a thing where, okay, we don't need that defense from him as much. And this offensive combination they're rolling with right now, where I'm going to say Lucho, Barrial, Brenner, and Vasquez mm-hmm. is dangerous. Yeah, is really, really dangerous. Um, with Lucho and Barrial providing service to to Vasquez. And Brenner uh, doing his Brenner thing, cleaning up plays, making good runs now, which, you know, he was having trouble finding the timing on for at least the majority of his early FC Cincinnati career. (laughs) And you've got now two people who are looking to get balls into dangerous positions. And 
this offense with those five guys in form, playing well together, developing chemistry together, I mean, that was dangerous all night for 90 minutes against Philadelphia. And now, if you are freeing Barrial from having to, you know, really worry about his defense as much as he has with the center backs we had, I'm just, I'm interested to see what it looks like because I think it could be a bit of a game changer. Yeah, uh, I also Brendan Aronson's see... dad, by the way, played college soccer. I just, I just checked. There you it, go. So, so. <laughs> I, I'd also, I, I mean, I want to throw Alvis Powell in there. He was uh, denied a hell of an assist on Brenner's first goal. Um, I, I felt, I felt very connected to that assist because not ten seconds before then, I, I had turned to uh, my buddy who was with me and said. Alvis Powell has the best first touch on this team, and he collects a ball right before he fires it into Brenner that is just immaculate. And he is doing so well, and he too is somebody I think has been given a little more defensive responsibilities given the weaknesses we've had at center back. And I'm curious too if he can't see a little bit more going forward now with Miazga as the anchor on that back line. I, I think we could see some good things from Powell. Um, well, yeah, I think, Grace, I, I think I cut you off there. No, no, no. I, I just think we, I think, I know we talked about this a while, maybe a couple, couple episodes ago about, I think it may have been the last, uh, the last questions episode about how the team, you know, would line up ideally. And I think the chief nailed it, hit the nail right on the head there that if, if we can find any defensive stability, and I think, I think having Wobodo and Moreno both healthy and playing together, um, goes to that um the the back three was like they were they were fine um you know uh on the game saturday and i think a lot of that was because the offense was so dangerous and uh was keeping a lot of a lot of possession and then wobodo had a wobodo had what i thought was a great game i mean he just he just he just proves even though he plays a position that, that that doesn't exist um, he's he's showing how valuable he is week in and week out by you know filling in defensive gaps you know when they create right like you get you get one of the wingbacks caught up field well that's okay because because Obi's Obi's there you know to to play yep. defense to win the ball back to at least slow down play whatever he's whatever he's you know doing there I'm also um, squatting on a take with Obi that. MLS officiating in the league has sort of kind of caught up to him a little bit, whereas for his first couple of games, he is so good and he is so smooth at winning the ball. I think he got called for a couple of fouls that probably were unwarranted and a couple of cards that were pretty unwarranted. Mm -hmm. And I think the word has gotten around, I'm hoping at least, the word (laughs) has gotten around with officiating that no... You're not, your eyes are not deceiving you. This guy is really good, and you need to pay a little closer attention to him in terms of not calling some of these fouls on him because he is sublime at breaking yes. up plays, stopping plays. And the one thing we, that I noticed about him when I was watching his film when we signed him is he is so good at when he wins a ball or breaks up a play is winning the ball in immediately starting something going the other direction. Like yes. he he is not one of these people that donkey foots balls and like leads you to more problems with bad touches that where he's broken the play up, but by extension he has now knocked the ball someplace even more dangerous. He is so, so good at when he wins a ball, winning the ball and keeping it out of danger. He's been phenomenal these last few weeks. 
And he's yeah. better. He's better with the ball, you know, dribbling and passing than I I expected. And then you know, I certainly thought his first couple of games. And I think I still think there's something about his his body language, like the way he takes the ball. Um, he it's always casual. looks. He always looks like he's he he always looks like he's about to lose it to me, but he always keeps <laughs> right. it. Like he he always keeps it. He looks and and it's, he's he's doing great. And I just but um. I think a great example of the kind of tackle that Obi definitely would have gotten called for a foul for early in the season is the one on Lucho in the box. Yep. Um, and mm-hmm. I do think if that is called a foul, it does not get called back. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, but it was I, a great, it was uh, to full credit. That was an, inc- I forget who the player was from Philly that made it. The margin yep. for error on that was less than zero. And it was an incredible yeah. tackle. It's great tackle, but it's another. It's another thing. Like this is part of that is why I don't really like to give credit to officials when they happen to make a really good call, because <laughs> that that foul right there or or tackle. I, I agree, it was probably a, it was probably a clean tackle, right? So they don't call a penalty. They get credit for you know letting a letting a, a great tackle stand, letting the play go on not getting suckered in, but if they call it a foul, then they get credit for being right when they don't overturn it because there's not clear and obvious uh, footage, right? Yep. And that's the type of thing that could easily, that has gone against us time and time again, where it's baked into the system that really, no matter what the ref does, they can fall back on, on, you know, that they, Followed the rules and were right. Yeah. Um, this is but, this you know, is the fundamental yeah. problem with VAR, is that it it provides too many checks in the system. The, the center referee doesn't have the full authority anymore. Nobody trusts the line judges anymore because you know you can just fix it later, and you're still at the whim of whatever those video officials are deciding. But they're not on the field. It's a horrible. It's a horrible system. I could go I'm just, on he- I'm, on just he- I'm just hearing defund officiating is what I'm hearing right now. <laughs> yeah. There was No, I think uh, give them more money and reformat. I was uh I was reading about the uh, the Syrian league that started up uh during the civil war there like in 2011 post Arab Spring and the uh <clears throat> the Muslim Your browser players, history must be wild. It's it's an interesting place. <laughs> I think I think this was Syria. I might have the Middle Eastern country wrong, but the uh, the clerics were happy uh, to allow the games to continue, but only if the players followed Sharia law, not FIFA law. And so the uh, the players would all like collectively decide fouls for themselves, and it was uh, the sort of reward punishment system for a foul was more like tick for tack and not like free kick it was like you got stoning to, you got to kick them uh, right back yes yeah, so it was so great. it's so it's kind of like <laughs> committing financial crimes on wall street you guys just get together with with your friends and just then decide decide yes. you didn't do anything wrong and then sometimes maybe you throw one guy out and yeah. say like oh this is this is the bad one <laughs> yeah, send him you away. Find the most egre- you know, if you just each game you kick out the most egregious guy, eventually you got a fairly clean game going on. This is yeah. great. Is it a life hack in that league to feel just a team of thieves? <laughs> yes, probably. No handballs ever. 
<laughs> exactly. I mean, think about it. Your your walls would be perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of a wall, I, I think uh, it, it deserves a mention here. Roman Celentano, yes, he, he gave up the goal. The clean sheet really would have been the cherry on top of this I mean, game. Let's be real. The one goal given up, that's really the right. MLS clean sheet, if we're being honest. It's <laughs> a great point. Yes. You're never you're never guaranteed, and I think we've talked about this before. You know, the 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 one goal in MLS is so random. You know, you can't bank on right. ever not being there. Um, no, he had he had an incredible double save moment. I'll, I'll go ahead and give him credit for it being a double save. Um, I've got this opinion, and I'm curious what you guys think. Gaga Selena, uh, Selena, Selena, Selena is uh, 18 years old. Has been we don't respect him. Average, his name right. Yeah, average. To above average, I'll say, in MLS. I mean, not incredible. He had a really good start to the season, uh, especially the first five games where he kept five clean sheets. One of those games, he didn't face a single shot. It should probably continue to be mentioned. Um, sold to Chelsea for $10 million. If that's the bar, and understanding he's four years younger, how much is Roman Celentano worth right now? I mean, the problem with Roman is that he had to play in front of this back line for the first two-thirds of the season. <laughs> right. I mean, he's looked really good, and you wonder if there was competent defending in front of him, which they've had sporadically. If so, I mean, really, right. there's only been like two or three games this year where it was like, what the fuck, Roman? And like they stand right. out pretty they, – they're pretty bold in terms of like finding him on the paper. I don't know. I, I wonder if – Roman almost missed the window to be the new hotness because mm-hmm. when he came up, it was in front of our back line. I mean, he's he's rated very well by the advanced metrics, or at least he was a couple weeks ago when they started publishing articles about it. But mm-hmm. um, you never make get a second chance to make a good first impression. And unfortunately, his first impression was playing behind Tyler Blackett, the ghost of Jeff Cameron, um, Ian Murphy. <laughs> Not optimal for a rookie, I'll say. Yeah. I, yeah. What what was what was Matt Turner's fee to Arsenal? Eight million. Eight. Ten, I was going to say eight, eight million dollars. So Turner is what like twenty, twenty seven, twenty six, twenty seven. Doesn't 27. have the pedigree. Yeah. He played. So, uh, he, I think he tried out for a USL team. Is how Matt Turner made his way into the professional ranks. Yeah, and then um, I think when I think when Zach Steffen was Salantana's age, he was coming back from a. He was coming back to MLS on a free transfer from just like a failed attempt to break into, I think, Stuttgart or Freiburg. Dusseldorf? Maybe. Yeah, Yeah. maybe. I don't don't remember. I know know he was in Germany and he came back, I think, I think around Santana's age, maybe a year younger. Yeah. On a free transfer back to MLS. He spent some time at Pittsburgh Riverhounds. He started Played against FC Cincinnati. Yeah. He started you know, a season and a half or something for Columbus crew by the time he was, I'm being approximate. I don't have the exact ages here, but I think 24, 25, he yeah. was getting like an eight to $10 million transfer to Manchester city. So Silentano is like 21. He's a rookie. He's got a three year generation Adidas contract. Um, I think by the end of that contract, you know, I think you could say he's, not behind, you know, somebody like Stefan or somebody like Turner. Goalies can, you know, make their make their move over to Europe a little later mm-hmm. in in their careers than than field players. So I don't I don't think he has a lot of value today. 
but I would be su- I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of his GA deal, he has, you know, five to ten million dollars in transfer value to Europe, or, or or higher. I mean, I, I think yeah. he's yeah. he's got a lot. He's got a yeah, lot I, of lot of ability for sure. But I don't want him to go over there because we're already sending too many goalkeepers over to Europe, and it's perpetuating the stereotype that the only American players that can actually get on the field in the Premier League <laughs> and over in Europe is goalkeepers. Well, our goalies can't get on the field in the Premier League, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> right? Yeah, what do you mean? But it felt like that, that was like the only yes. thing that the only American export anyone wanted in the soccer world for the majority of my adult li- lifetime has been well, the Americans make really good goalkeepers because they're big. They're oversized, yeah. and they play too much PlayStation growing up, so they're great using their hands. Like, yeah, they can't use their we just, feet. Yeah. We just need to slow it down a little bit because we were sort of clear of that, and now we've had a rush of keepers go over to Europe, and I'm afraid that we're going to get that stereotype back again. Now, having said For that, sure. it's going to be an electric moment when and if it finally happens that someone with FC Cincinnati on his transfer market resume – finally goes over to Europe and plays regularly in a league that matters where oh. they're moving up from FC Cincinnati like that that has to be incredible right that you've got a guy that you brought through your system that has played well for you and you ship him off to Europe and all of a sudden Roman Celentano is taking the field for I don't know fucking you know Stoke City or um Everton or something like that and it's like yeah that's our fucking dude over there that's cool yeah, yeah instead I, we have- I'd love that Instead, we have like Caleb Stanko evading taxes in Cyprus, <laughs> or uh, Kenny Kenny Safe playing in like some Azerbaijan dis- or something. Yeah, like some disputed territory that's like among like Russia and three different stands, and it's it's ruled by some like you know little like oil billionaire warlord and his right. and his son it, it, who like has a menagerie of miniature elephants in, in his house <laughs> this all whenever this always comes up i'm always reminded of the fact that we got gb on a free transfer from the kazakhstan premier league and just i always would wonder if you surveyed the entire population of like the bailey on any given night of the week what percentage of them would take a free ticket to watch a match in <laughs> kazakhstan airfare and hotel accommodations included like you get stopped at the entrance like hey we will pay for you to fly to Kazakhstan, put you up in a right hotel, now. attend a match, but you've got to go right now. Like, the number has to be in the single digits, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> we got this my, guy from a league I wouldn't take a free plane trip to. My, my he, he beat the Columbus crew. <laughs> my, my wife's grandma has been to literally every one of the stands because they were all part of the Soviet Union. And nice. um, she was like a tour guide behind the Iron Curtain. So she's taken like. 70 and 80 year old communists to Uzbekistan in like 1967. Lovely. <laughs> that sounds like a great time. Yeah, how's the sure, over there? Sure. Well, yeah, yeah, right. I'm sure, I'm sure it's great. Anyway, let's go to part two where we're going to talk a little bit of All Star game, huh? Let's do it. Here we are, part two. We're talking All-Star Game. I'm glad we're at this point at this time. Uh, The All-Star Game is going to kick off at any second. Uh, We did have it leaked early. No FC Cincinnati player starting this game. So obviously when uh, MLS loses to Liga Mekis, it is because 
Lucha was benched alongside Brandon I, Vasquez. But I have a confession too that in the, at the open to this show, I said that the MLS East won the All Star game. I don't even know what the fucking <laughs> format of this game is. I don't think that's how little I pay. East. That's how little I pay attention to MLS. Like I, at this moment right here, I finally realized, oh yeah, shit, they're playing Liga MX. They're not playing the East versus the West. <laughs> you know, Adrian Heath made that big. That, that big stink about pretending to having tried to trade for Brandon Vasquez last year. He rates him so highly, he doesn't even give him a start. Yeah, nonsense. Yeah, right, right. Um, but did he offer I, more than 500000 for him? Because apparently that's the going rate on transfer market, which is just just a phenomenal story. Um, if you didn't see it, yes, that, what was please. it, Chivas, Chivas apparently yep. offered to buy Brandon Vasquez at some point last year, and they offered 500000 uh, dollars for him because they went on a transfer market and the valuation on the transfer market, which is set by fans, it's not set professionally for anything, that they just offered the transfer market value for Brandon Vasquez, which really does make me think that as dumb as the three of us are, any one of us could probably look up <laughs> players on transfer market and just make offers. I mean, we've literally done that. Jonah wrote a joke article parroting some people who uh, who like to just mention every single possible player that could sign here and then claim credit when one of them does. He uh, he just went through and listed like every single South American attacking midfielder in the Netherlands that was aged like 20 to 30. And I think there were like 50 or 60 names on there. And uh, we did sign one of them. I don't remember who it was, but somebody was on that list. It might have been Barial had like some sort of weird connection. Um, <laughs> like he just he just got one. So yes, you could absolutely do this. And yeah, I believe that offer came this year. Chivas offered it this summer. Um, there were some conflicting reports as to whether or not we countered with five million dollars, and uh, Chivas was blown away. Had no concept that we might be asking for more than half a million dollars for our suddenly star striker and potential starting striker for either the U.S. men's national team or the Mexican national team at the World Cup this year. So, um, yeah, I believe. Shout, I believe. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm choosing to believe Paul Tenorio's reporting on that. That. We did not counter with five million dollars, and five million dollars would not have gotten the job done. Yeah, what? What do you think? What do you think Vasquez would go for if Chivas gave them the the Godfather deal? What do you think moves Brandon Vasquez right now? You can't you can't sell him. You can't sell him this year. He's Ooh. on he's on too cheap of a contract, and he's too valuable for the playoff run. Plus, if he keeps it up, if he gets. Um, men's national team appearances, if he ends up going to Qatar, um, all of that increases his value, right? So I think we are in a uh, holdall position (laughs) on on Brandon Vasquez because he is going to the moon. Yeah, uh, Brandon would be uh, diamond hands of anybody on the team. He is he's the one who's not yeah. budging. And, and once you said that there was some sort of a blockchain currency associated with it, Brandon would also be the first purchaser of Brandon then at that point. <laughs> Brandon coin is going to just skyrocket this You year. know, there was actually – so I got really into crypto, um, not buying crypto, thank God, but the Cryptids. idea of trying to make money with crypto about like <laughs> nine – about a year ago a little bit. Yeah. And so – when that stupid Shiba Inu coin popped off, I was like, I'm going to make it my life goal to figure out what the next meme coin 
that's going to make a lot of money, and I'm going to try to buy it. And I had my choices narrowed down to two. They were making a Tiger King coin, which ahead of the season <laughs> premiere of Tiger King 2, I was like, I can see a lot of Yahoo's buying this. And then there was another one that was a Let's Go Brandon coin, where <laughs> if I was trying to figure out what the confluence of people that are dumb enough to invest heavily in a meme coin, something that'll go super viral that the media will report on, leading to more people buying it once it starts going up in value. I, I thought it would be a lot harder to – you could do a lot worse than Let's Go Brandon, and then it lost over a 1,000% of its value, I think, over the course of like two <laughs> – over the course of six weeks. So – Oh different kind of brand i saw fc cincinnati was uh hyping our uh, our socios is how i'm choosing to pronounce that uh partnership the other day and uh i had no clue that they had continued to go through with that i uh i just assumed that had died when all of the other nfts and crypto I mean, but you're uh, also talking about a stadium that has a workhorse gate still which i think they're under federal <laughs> investigation for fraud Maybe hey man, if those if the money's in the bank, I mean, you can call it whatever you want. We have the Mary Kay stand; it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but no, the, the bigger point that you were saying earlier—they can't sell Vasquez right now. They absolutely right. cannot sell Vasquez. I mean, it's 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 not for nothing too that if you've been to games at TQL Stadium, the last player introduction that used to be Brenner or Lacadia or the big name signing is now Brandon Vasquez is the last player introduced in the starting lineup. Um, yeah. He is he's the face of the franchise right now. And he you can't, really is. You can't sell him. I'm, I'm squatting on the take that if it's a choice between Brenner and Vasquez this offseason, I think that the way Brenner is playing, you're not going to have to take a loss on him to sell him. But y- you have to pick Vasquez over the two of them at this point. Um for any yeah. number of reasons, soccer and non-soccer related. But no, you can't sell them right now. Uh, you can't sell them next year either. They need to do everything in their power to keep Brandon Vasquez in Cincinnati, in an FC Cincinnati uniform. The next sale of Brandon Vasquez needs to be when he literally prices himself out of the market and out of the league. Yeah, uh, and there's always a number, but there's nobody who's going to give us give us a number. Million. Yeah. There's nobody who's going to give us a number right now this year that – is what you would project to be able to get next summer. Right. Assuming now, assuming he keeps scoring, assuming he gets at least a call up with the national team. You know, and so assuming that next fall he you know keeps still keeps scoring some goals. Yeah. No, Grayson, I I was making this point on the uh, the old FC Cincinnati Discord earlier. Um, maybe you'd, you'd like to jump in here as well, but Brandon Vasquez is currently making $300,000 a year. I I keep seeing a lot of people sort of making the assumption that he would need to be a designated player. Um, There, there is a a very real possibility that we, we could give him a million dollar a year raise and he is still a TAM player. And even with just one really good season, he probably hasn't quite, earned that dare i say the club has an option but i i think you could foresee a situation where uh you end up signing a deal like kellen Rowe. i think it was kellen Rowe signed a couple of years ago with fc dallas where he gets a sort of like 
very high TAM deal for two or three years. And then there's some sort of mutual option, or maybe it's just a team option of if he plays in that third year, that they have to then make him a DP. And you basically structure a deal in such a way that the club almost has to sell Vasquez wherever, out of the league though, um, in order for it to financially make sense, or he's going to be like the highest paid player in MLS or, or whatever the case is. Like you, 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 not that, but you put yourself in, in such a position that you basically have to sell him to whoever will, will offer you something. Is it crazy? Does Brandon Vasquez have to be a designated player? No. And actually, the wrinkle here is there's a very strong possibility based on the the athletics reporting of the new collective bargaining agreement that he literally cannot be a designated player um, Mm -hmm. as a free agent in MLS, because if you sign as a free agent with another team, there are maximum amounts that they can pay you. And he is below the maximum salary budget charge, which means he can only make a little bit more in free agency than the maximum salary budget charge, which is like right now it goes, it's going to go up every year. I think it might not go up next year, but it definitely goes up every year after that under the CBA. But right now yeah, it's $612,500. Okay. Right. So if we don't, if we like were to not pick up his option and he were to test the free agent market in MLS, the most anybody could pay him is somewhere in the range of, $630,000 or $650,000 or something approximately there. Right. So he can sign a new contract with IFC Cincinnati or they can pick up his option, make him play under his option next year and either be stuck signing a lower, a, a relatively low level contract with another major league soccer team or testing the market in Europe or Mexico and seeing if somebody um, will pay him a lot more there. But the thing is, Mexican teams don't pay as much, at least on the books, as as <laughs> everyone seems worth pointing out. As everyone yeah. seems to think they are, like a million dollar contract for Brandon Vasquez at Chivas would make him one of the highest paid players on the team. He'd have, to be called, he, he'd have to be called into the Mexican national team to even right. approach that kind of valuation with Mexico. Right. So I'm not saying you I'm not saying you nickel and dime him, right? But if you offer him a new contract next year for three years at let's say starting at seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or eight hundred thousand dollars, you build reasonable escalators in, maybe you have a fourth year option year where yeah, he would be a DP. And the and the the message is we are giving you a very good contract for the next three years. If you keep producing, somebody will come calling and you will get yep. paid. Or, or you'll be sell, a DP. Yeah, we sell somebody to make him a DP. And the, the thing right. about that too, with your to your point, is that we have the salary slots to do that coming off the books. He can just slot right into like an Alan Cruz type salary slot or a Yu Yakubo type salary slot. And those are contracts coming off the books where it's a it's a it's a like for like swap. And then you go out and you take the what he's making right now, like the what, like six hundred thousand, and you go and you get his get a replacement player on the roster that's still probably pretty damn good at that max salary charge. So if I had to say the most likely scenarios with Brandon Vasquez, I would say most likely is number one, 
is they sign him to a cut to a new contract at some type of TAM level uh, before the option date. So okay. that's done before the deadline that they have to pick up the option. The second most likely, I think, is they pick up the option and use that as leverage to sign him to a new TAM level contract. The third most likely option is they reach no deal. They pick up the option. He plays. He plays next year at three fifty or whatever his option number is, and he goes off. And the uh, the thing that I keep see people keep suggesting that I think has a zero percent chance of happening is FC Cincinnati picks up the option. He tries to challenge the validity of the option before the court of arbitration <laughs> for sport successfully challenges the option and then runs off to another league for free. I am telling you. There is a 0% chance that will happen, and I will eat my shoe <laughs> live on on, on – on t- I'll, I'll create a TikTok and eat my shoe live on TikTok. I don't know if you can go live on TikTok. I don't know how TikTok works. I'm not 12. Sure. Why not? Um, right. If, if, as if long that's as you what eat happens. your shoe in under two minutes, I think TikTok will work. Challenging the MLS options is a fun, like, nerd thing people like to suggest – it hasn't successfully happened when uh, Kyle Laren tried to do it. Um, ben uh, Besiktas ended up having to pay seven-figure transfer fee to yep. Orlando City for him. Um, Kaku had some really weird exception where, like, they never delivered their execution yeah. of the option to him. They sent it to his former representative and not his current representative. I guarantee you FC Cincinnati knows who Brandon Vasquez's agent is. And they can get him on the phone, and they will let him know they're exercising the option. I think the only thing that's, I think the only thing that's preventing a long term deal or the resolution to this saga with Brandon Vasquez right now. I think the only thing preventing it is he's waiting to see if he gets called up, and that like will impact his bargaining leverage. I think his agent would tell him that's going to impact his bargaining leverage because I mean that's if there's one story that's interesting out of the All Star game around Brandon Vasquez, it's that the drumbeat of this guy has to be called in in the September friendly camp has turned into a drum line at this point. Um, yes. Every journalist worth their salt that's covering this game live has written a Brandon Vasquez think piece, it feels like. And I think that once that happens and he gets called up, and he's a you know contender for the Qatar. I think that at that point, then the valuation of Brandon Vasquez will start to settle in terms of what it would take to buy out that option year and add some more years on the back end to his deal, like we've talked about, where you're preserving the ability for him to get sold if he really continues to blow up. But everyone at the All Star Game is talking about it. Um, it almost feels inevitable, right? Yeah, I think the only debate now is whether or not uh, he's the starter or not, right? Like that has to be that's where the debate is now. Are you kidding me? Also, I think I think we need to point this out. I believe the postcast was the first place that anybody breathed life into the idea that Brandon Vasquez should be playing for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, if somebody has an earlier instance than I think our second episode, I think it's what it was, um, I'm I'm all ears because uh, I'm I'm pretty confident we were first on that bandwagon there. So you're welcome, everybody. Right. We were definitely also first on Twitter. Yes, Twitter and uh, Matt Miazga. So, like, 
you know, what, right. what do we want to will into existence next year, guys? I mean, I was also really trying to get Brenner sold out of here at a, at a major loss to try and help the team. <laughs> so you win some, you win some, you lose some. Maybe you know, we didn't talk about him in the last section, but my God, we're, we're Chief and I wrong about Brenner, and I am so happy he is here. Spectacularly <laughs> so. Spectacularly yes. wrong. Whatever, fuck it. <laughs> Grayson kept saying the underlying numbers were good, and son of a bitch were they. Right. <laughs> wait until uh, wait until Brenner, Vasquez, and Lucho all get to play together. Oh, for the yeah. U.S. Men's National Team? No. For, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be that would be something. <laughs> Actually, uh, Grayson and I were, were talking about this briefly. Does Lucho make the U.S. Men's National Team roster, and is he a starter? I thought he he would not start but could make the roster. I don't know, Chief, if you had a different opinion on that. I, I don't think he makes the roster. Ooh. I don't know. Just I'm I'm not I'm was going down the list of who in the midfield you would take out to put Lucho in. And it's at best I could say it's a like for like swap in terms of talent level and ability level. I always thought I thought the dumber take though was I saw the take online this week that that Brandon Vasquez wouldn't fit in well with the men's national team because of how Greg Burhalter likes to play strikers um which is just an absurd take like it it is dumb to me that you would want all three strikers you bring to have the exact same profile yes and like vasquez takes up takes up spaces that other members of the men's national team don't so he's not going to be you know crowding with um you know polisic and with Wea and whoever the way that say like Ferreira likely will as a false nine and like yeah you maybe you want to play a false nine because that's how you want that's how you want your front three to play but against a team like England they're not going to be playing with the ball that much well, and also that's... if you're if you're chasing a goal late in the game you want a big body to throw it well that's what I always like it bothers me when people say oh this player doesn't fit the system it's like okay that's cool. And in MLS, you know, maybe a salary cap league, you have to sort of balance considerations. But there's no fucking salary cap with the men's national team. And if a guy doesn't fit the system but is really talented, that's all the more reason to take him. Because if everybody fits a specific system, you have no ability to be flexible when your system isn't working. Like yes. when you're chasing yes. a game and you need to do something different, if everybody on the team only fits a very specific role and has a very specific skill set, then you're going to be very predictable and very easy to defend. <laughs> yes. The, uh, I, I was just going to try to quickly look up and yes, exactly what I thought here. Uh, Brandon Vasquez would be the biggest striker they could call up. I think other than Daryl DK, who is injured again, and I am guessing if he's healthy by the World Cup, will have not played a single match. Jesus Ferreira is five foot nine. <laughs> You really want your starting striker to be smaller than other teams, like little playmaker? Like, come on. You need a guy that you can just bang in crosses at or just hoof long balls to and hope for the best. And that is that is how Vasquez fed all of last year, those last eight games. And he was incredible at that. So, yes, you, you definitely do that. Also, you know who else learned that lesson of, like, not necessarily fitting everybody into a system was, of all people, Jurgen Klinsmann. Not somebody you'd expect this at. Brought Chris Wondolowski. And, yes, 
He missed. He missed the shot. But, but he, he was there to position. take it. He, he was, was there, there to take it. <laughs> That's what you want. You want the guy in the position. His underlying numbers on that shot. Right. Incredible. As, as, as Grayson shakes his head, I'm forced to remind him that we're a process oriented podcast. We're not a results oriented podcast. Hey man, you know who you know who Chris Wondolowski's coach in MLS was. At least for Ooh. for a period of time when he won some are you, trophies. Are you, you going to say it's Dom Kinnear? Yes, oh, I am. Baby, ah, mm. there we go. How about that? <laughs> and, and then and how that about that who, quote from Vasquez today yes. in the Athletic talking about he's worked for other, he's played under other coaches, but he has never had the. He's crediting this coaching staff. He's never had the personal attention paid to him. So I mean, if he's a special snowflake, he's our special snowflake, and he's fucking phenomenal. Um, yep. But the, this coaching staff. Is doing wonders for him by his own admission, which is really cool to see. I uh, I read that quote and immediately thought, man, it'd be nice to interview somebody on that coaching staff, or at least record <laughs> it if we do. <laughs> um, and I guess I guess this is a I guess this is a good time to throw this in as much as well. What? Well, I, mean, I have an idea. I have an yeah, idea. Go ahead. I, I, the easiest way to get a member of the coaching staff, it turns out, is to bitch at the FC Cincinnati PR team, <laughs> call them bad at their jobs. And then apologize later, and you can get whatever the fuck you want as a podcaster. That's what I learned this week. You know, we tried that. Yeah. I tried that. Yeah. <laughs> and our photo credentials got revoked. Maybe if we were called football with the post, we would we would get it. <laughs> Maybe if you looked like fucking Skeletor wearing AirPods, yeah. it would be easier to get a guest. Somebody here needs to shave their head. That's the only way. Um, I I hate all star games. I think I've said this before. I hate all-star games. I understand why leagues want to have like a nice media event, um, but I feel like nobody actually pays attention to them outside of baseball's all-star game. So I never got the appeal in that sense. And what drives me insane is everybody but football puts it in the middle of the season, and that always drove me nuts because when you go back and look through the the uh, you know the record books the history of a league and you look at the all-stars you miss an entire half season of the entire history of the league where guys got hot at the beginning of a season and then faded or got hot in the last part of the season but started slow it just drives me insane i hate all-star games give me more skills challenges give me more goalie wars Absolutely. But All-Star Games, I'm way out on. Am, am I out of line here? Or, or does anybody anybody want to challenge that? No, they suck. I, yeah. They're made for TV events. But, I mean, I would say they make sense in soccer more than just about any other sport. Because Ooh. there's no um, – in baseball, football, basketball, the season is the season is the season. There's nothing else going on during the year. And a All-Star Game is a absolute interruption to the calendar that – there is no interruptions for. Whereas in soccer, you know, teams play friendlies, teams play in other cups and other competitions. Um, this is the only major professional sport where stopping it to play a game that isn't connected to your league season isn't out of the ordinary. <laughs> right, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't, I, I don't care about the All Star Game typically. I only care this year because I've kind of developed this 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 fictional narrative in my mind that. It's some part of a. It's like a crucial part of Brandon Vasquez's package to get called into to the World Cup in Qatar. So <laughs> only because of you know the the narrative I've developed behind the scenes, like some you know weird QAnon person, do I do I care about this? 
Right, right. Um, not to uh, not to spoil your guys' uh, DVRs later, because I'm sure you've recorded this. Carlos Vela scored within two minutes of kickoff of the All-Star game tonight, so it's going great for Liga yeah. MX. There we go. <laughs> Neat. Maybe Mexico um, should call him up. See, I... We all I should think... have worn those like hats with just the MLS logo on it, like Rob Lowe. <laughs> Yes. Target sold just black and white MLS t-shirts for a while when uh, FCC first joined the league. They didn't quite have like a a full complement of FC Cincinnati Fanatics gear. They just sent them uh, MLS gear. There was also a really good um, FC Cincinnati Eastern Conference t-shirt that I really wish I had grabbed. Didn't we promise Reuter? That if we were able to host the All Star Game, we'd make sure we had the Bailey doing MLS generic chants. <laughs> yes. I feel like we made that promise to him that we'd make that happen if we ever got to host the All Star Game. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. Let's go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. This is make no mistake. This is not me going back on my promise. I think that would be electric to try and come up with like generic league chants, like "Let's go league," as opposed right. to individual teams or individual players. You got to have like Gam and Tam and Discovery Rights. Like these need to be the lyrics to some of the songs. It just needs yeah. to be incorporated in there. Um, Come on, Das Harks. What are you doing here? Yeah, I was going to say that's a Das Harks question. Um, <clears throat> I understand Brandon Vasquez is the uh, face of the team. I don't want to spend too much time here. But uh, looking at the ages of our two All Star players and their projections here. Um, <clears throat> Is Lucho not the face of this team for the next five, six, seven years? Is this not Lucho's team? Or do we not think the coaching staff is high on him enough to keep him around? Depends on what do you mean by face of the team? Because that's a very specific question that I need to have a better definition on before okay, I answer. So I think Lucho will be the one defining player of sort of the Noonan Albright era assuming they go the first five years i don't think he's gonna play for 30 more years no 30 you know i'm at five (laughs) i if i said 30 i definitely meant five um no oh i see the the noonan albright era the noonan albright era will last 50 years excuse me hey lucha's gonna make a fantastic youth coach the the glorious reign of albright and noonan may they forever prosper and bring prosperity I'm just thinking we we could have Lucho conceivably till the end of his career. Maybe he wants to go have uh, a swan song in in Argentina. But um, that to me feels like he's the piece that everything else will be built around going forward. So long as as he wants to be here, and I assume right. he does. So I have an interesting take on this. Yes, because I see what you're getting at now. So when the Reds were good back in 2010, 2011, yeah. 2009. Part of what made the Reds work during that time period, I'm convinced, is that that was the height of Joey Votto is socially awkward and weird and doesn't want to be out in public. Now Joey Votto has embraced his social awkwardness, embraced his weirdness, and is now just the face of the franchise as a weird dude that does weird TikToks. But what made things work back then was that Brandon Phillips was more than willing to be out front signing the autographs, doing all the public appearances, and Votto could be obsessively reading The Art of Hitting, like studying up on his Ted Williams and yes. living in a batting cage. So, like, when you say face of the franchise, um, I think I Lucho 
will undoubtedly be the or not undoubtedly i think there's a good chance he could be the defining player of what this offense and what this team does but in terms of face of the franchise if he signs here long term it has to be vasquez yeah for a number of reasons and this is not like a a xenophobia thing but part of that also has to be that lucho speaks english but doesn't speak english he's not going to be out there cutting a promo like they would say in wrestling um and vasquez like they've turned the pancake thing into a meme which he has to fucking regret ever sharing what his (laughs) breakfast food choices were because the man came out in an article and said i don't really like pancakes that much and he's still getting pancake questions after matches from Alex. Like, do you eat your pancakes today? He's like, I thought we talked about this. I'm a waffles guy. I, uh, yeah, I ate pancakes. What do you? Um, now Nutella's in those mentions, man. Right. I mean, it's gonna pay off. <laughs> so I, I could see, I could easily see Lucho. I mean, he's he's at a good age where he's still got a lot of years ahead of him, mm-hmm. especially in this pro- league. In, especially in this league, but probably doesn't have like a like a big overseas contract out there for him just because of what age he'll be when his next contract is up. So among our, among our current crop of players, Lucha is the one where it's, it's hard to see like, why would you ever, why would you ever let him go? And even, you know, after, after his next contract or after, I don't know what his current contract's up, but, I could easily see him eventually being like a, you know, Diego Valeri or, or Maxi Morales, right. where, you know, they've had a number of good years as a DP. They're really um, uh, into the team. They still got they still got a lot of play left in them. But mm-hmm. it makes sense to, you know, move down to that that, you know, high TAM level to let the team bring in another DP. And now we're like really cooking, you know, and you can keep him on a on a tam contract the last you know couple years of his of his career or maybe even before he goes back to what river and boca i believe boca, oh my gosh yeah. unforgivable uh, dude, i don't <laughs> no no me importa uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so like, i i don't i don't see any i mean i think i mean lucha's having an mvp level year i see no reason why he won't have an He's not capable of having an MVP level year every year for the next three, four years. Um, his kids will be going to school here, playing soccer here. You know, he's he's really, really embraced. I think being more visible in the team, being mm-hmm. a more visible leader in the team. You can see him trying to give interviews in in English. He did the um, the call up. They had a live show from the All Star Game, and he did an English language interview with them. And you know he he's not you know he's not fluent, but he's getting better. Yeah, no, so this isn't I, like don't don't mistake me as saying like I don't think he can do it. Oh, I'm I, not. I think he absolutely that, could. I just think that if it's a choice between him and Vasquez, as who are you going to build the marketing campaign around? I think it's Brandon Vasquez doing the Superman pose. That's just my sure, sure. But I just think I think Lucho has leaned into the the team and the veteran role that he's been given a lot this year and really, really embraced it. And I think that the idea that, you know, he's, he's still, you know, he still plays how he plays and whatever. But I think the idea that he's this, you know, that we, you got some of in DC that he's this immature guy who um, is, is really like volatile in the locker room. I, I, I don't, I think that, I think he's past that. 
And so, like I keep I keep going I think back Brenner to that. Brenner will go on sooner. I think Vasquez will will move on, but I I think Lucho would be pretty easy to keep around and I don't know why you would want to move on from him. I don't think so. I don't think you want to move on from him either. And the one thing that I'm really looking forward to is if this team makes the playoffs is digging back up that tweet that he sent after the Austin game. This is not who we are as a team. This is not what we're working for. I am going to step up and be a better leader on this team to stop this from ever happening again. Like that's the that's the cool shit that I think that like yeah. it has been fun to see Lucho embrace leadership on this team. So I really I could see a situation too where it is Lucho is the heart and soul of this team on the field. Brandon Vasquez is the guy they put on the game program, and the two of them both are in roles that are ex- that are incredibly necessary for the team to, to thrive, and they both thrive in those roles. Yeah, and uh, credit to Lucho. Uh, he held up his end of the bargain so far in the season. We have not been walloped. We've we've not conceded three or four goals where we weren't in that game. So, um, yeah, full full credit to his leadership there. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't a whole lot about the All Star game, but I think that'll do for uh, yeah. For fuck part it. Nobody two. nobody likes All Star games anyway. Like the story yes. around, like All Star games exist for the sole purpose of creating narrative around the league and around the sport, like. Nobody gives a shit who wins the baseball all-star game. All they care about is who got voted, who got snubbed, and who won the home run derby. And all the stories that are about who's moving at the deadline. If anything, the only reason for the NLS all-star game to exist is to get all the national reporters in one location midway through the year before the playoffs start and before the MLS Cup starts and just give them a bunch of content to go forward on. Like That's the reason why you keep the All-Star game going, is to get everybody in one place at one time to cover this fucking league and pretend like it's important. Yeah, and maybe that's what the League's Cup and the League's Cup final ends up operating as. Remember, next year, uh, Liga MX and MLS will pause their seasons uh, in the summer months to have a World Cup-style tournament with all of their teams. And uh, if that replaces whatever we're calling an All-Star game, I'm here for it. That would be lovely. Um, and we could even say that those games matter. So how about that? Um, <clears throat> part three. We're going to talk Atlanta. Grayson, you sure, you sure you don't want book club? We'll see. And here we are with part three of the Cincy postcast and uh we'll touch on atlanta in just a second but i know uh this is actually it was joseph mamey called attention to this one for us um i loved this uh i loved this because i hated it so much uh john mueller in the athletic uh tried to write a piece that was basically a post soccer position Piece and he had this uh, beautiful colored wheel. Um, his uh, his tweet was: "Positions are a lie. You know this." Introducing the Athletics' 18 colorful player roles based on data about what players actually do. Um, I had a number of issues with this, uh, not the least of which. Uh, goalkeepers are just completely omitted, and we'll talk about <laughs> who else was omitted. But um, it felt like something that should have at least been a, a little bubble off to the side there, given that there are different varieties of keeper, as we've already talked yeah, about. We, we talked about episode. it. Like the Americans <laughs> make up a large percentage of them. Like 
we're erasing yes. our own contributions to the history of global soccer. Like, what, <laughs> I weep for Tony Miola, Casey Keller, the yes. Tim Howards, the trailblazers of American soccer overseas. This oh reminded me of how, like, every week, um, some, like, Silicon Valley galaxy brain guy starts going on, like, some rant about, like, what innovation would be so great and then just ends up accidentally inventing the bus. Yes, or trains. <laughs> you know, right. yes. Yeah, or trains, right? Like, What is it, and, Uber, Uber Group or whatever it is? It's, a, right. it's an Uber that you call that you ride with other people. And it yeah, picks you yes. up along with other people and stops at various locations downtown. It's like, ah, <laughs> amazing! Someone didn't think about this before, right? Um, or like, I'm also the- big, also big fan of the take too that whenever you want to figure out what the next big Silicon Valley um, innovation is, you just think about something your mom did for you growing up, and then just monetize that as a service. <laughs> What's the what's the thing you, you really like and is convenient and everybody has access to? All right, let's make it worse, expensive, and limited. And put it on your phone. You and put it on a nap. Put it on an app. Put it on an app. Yeah. Put yeah. it on an app and subsidize <laughs> the shit out of it for the first couple of years and roll through billions of dollars in venture capital. Yes, yep. that that is key, so that you can walk away. Your company's worth five billion dollars, and you've made a grand total of negative, you know, six hundred million dollars. Your investors will years. say that's money well spent, as long as you it's, broke a few unions on the way. Right, it's called customer so. acquisition, Kevin. Understand how modern society works. Um, this is a new model. It's more more nimble. We don't need employees or, or, or unions here. We got to right. be able to. We got to be able to adapt. No. Um, and then but add blockchain this- <laughs> in too. It's on the yeah. blockchain as well. Yeah, all of this is relevant to the athletic, but yes, continue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you invented the sports section of a newspaper. Like they were like a they were like a Silicon Valley thing. Okay, so they first they destroyed local newspapers and they hired everybody's beat writers. Then they fired everybody's beat writers, and then there was yep. nowhere for those beat writers to go except for create their own Patreons. You know, which, which you know, more power to you. You got to. You gotta, you know, you gotta earn you gotta your hustle. You yeah, gotta right. earn your living. You gotta hustle. Um, and then they end up getting bought by the New York Times, and now they're on the New York Times website. So yeah, they kind of. I guess they kind of fit with the New York Times because the New York Times did a lot of killing of local newspapers. Where like, yes, I get yes. the New York Times. I only have a digital subscription to the Enquirer. So. Right. right. <laughs> but, but the important thing is they also acquired Wordle, too. So we really have our yeah. priorities straight. That The two yeah. big things that the New York Times accomplished this year, we bought the Athletic and we acquired a word game you can play once a day. Uh, so, so yeah, they, they disrupted the industry. It ended up just getting bought by a big player and became a just newspaper sports section. Like, they were trying to disrupt or change in the first place. But they... So, but what this guy did, right, was he, like, used lots of colors and fancy words and shit to be like, positions aren't real. I've invented positions. I also, I'm not entirely (laughs) certain. more positions. Yeah. If you look at this wheel, though, I'm not entirely certain that this person is real and it's not just a pen name for Gerard Nijkamp because there's no defensive midfielder listing on the thing. It's, it doesn't exist. I don't understand why you guys keep asking me to sign a player that plays this made-up position of yours. Um, yeah, fine, so the, it's you, Yakubo. Fine, whatever. <laughs> fine, that, that's your mid, that's your defensive midfielder. So it's divided up into defense and attack, and there is one more attacking 
dare I say, position than defending position. But you have central defender, wide defender, a deep midfielder, an advanced midfielder, a wide attacker, and a central attacker. And um, those are positions. So like <laughs> the, the entire article has already defeated itself. Uh, but they did describe it in all these wonderful ways. The safety, the creator, the overlapper, the finisher. Um, this all really sounds like a corporate yeah. team building event where it's yes. like, make up some words that describe your job. Now make up some <laughs> words that describe your coworkers' jobs. Oh, what's your what's your like disc a, profile? All right, all the A yes, and Ds go yes, to the corner. Now, if you yes. got a B and a C, you go to the other corner. You guys oh are the God. you guys are the 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 creative collaborators, and then the the ADs are the uh, uh, uniter leaders. Right, like there's some guy with in front of a whiteboard just writing this all down. This is good. This is collaborative. We're really making like progress this. and headway right here. Don't you guys feel yourselves coming closer together? Isn't this so much better than getting a paid day off? <laughs> the the paid personality test, or the uh, yeah, the, the personality test, the corporate personality test is maybe the worst thing about modern corporate life. But it's a job um, that I want. I want the job where they pay, they fly me around the country <laughs> and I just like spout bullshit off at employees that don't want to be there. Like, because nobody listens. You can say whatever the fuck you yes. want. Everyone's mentally checked out. They pay you a lot of money, and you get to keep your sky miles. I don't understand what where, where is this a bad career to have? Right, and nobody can challenge you. You're the expert. Right, they're the one that paid you to be the expert here. And here's the thing, so. too: is no one will ever admit that you were a bad speaker because if they admit <laughs> you're a bad speaker, then it reflects negatively on the person who brought you in, who may have yes. to answer questions for the money that was paid. So they're always going to give you a great review because they spent a hundred thousand dollars flying you out and doing your program. <laughs> Yes, and it's probably HR doing it. So they're very well aware of who's who's on the cutting board and who isn't. So yes. <laughs> yes. I just yes. I, I loved the athletic trying to disrupt the sport of soccer and accidentally inventing the uh the, the sport of soccer. So that was that was pretty good. Yeah, it's always um, it's always good when you just read it like there's already words that describe something, but here's fifteen more complex words that do it less art- artfully. Yeah, I'd, I'd even go as to say is this is like the opposite of cultural appropriation. It's sort of like cultural whitewashing where, where you're taking away some of those like uh, th- those wonderful foreign names for these different positions um, that all of them have escaped my brain in this moment. But the... Um, yeah, the Italians all have lovely names for these. The uh, the Libro, the uh, the you know whatever else. There's all these wonderful names to describe how certain players would play certain styles, and um, yeah, they, we're we're just getting rid of all of that and replacing it with a creator. All right, neat. yeah. This segment of the podcast is going to be electric for someone who didn't actually look at this wheel. <laughs> Or it's like listening in their car and can't actually see what we're talking about. I did my best to describe this so, wheel. <laughs> th- this this guy, I, I've seen this guy like rear his head before, and he always seems to have like really annoying or weird things to say. And it just reminds me that like you know every culture has the myth of like you know like the the sin eater or the somebody who must you know bear all of the you know, suffering so that the rest of humanity can be saved, you know, like, you know, Jesus being a prominent example, but there's many of them. And I think that, like, every sphere of, like, Twitter or, like, social media has, like, its own little sin eater, like, somebody whose job is to, like, 
be like really annoying in in like a specific genre that right. everyone can just get <laughs> mad at this person, right? Like Matt Iglesias, <laughs> Matt Iglesias does this in like the political sphere, right. where he's like, well, actually, it's like really, you know, a good cost benefit analysis. That they they build a factory in Bangladesh that falls down because you know think about the cost savings and everybody can just get mad at this guy <laughs> and just like you know scream at him online and like feel good and like unburden themselves right yeah it's amazing how of- many how my my follows on Twitter or the people that I follow on Twitter is just that person over and over again in every field just because when I scroll through Twitter I just want to feel I want to feel something I just want to, I need to feel something inside like where it's like fuck that guy it's like well that's better than apathy right yeah yeah yeah, love and hate are just two sides of the same coin, baby. That's passion right there. The opposite of the opposite of of love isn't hate; it's indifference. And I desperately yes. don't want my Twitter feed to make me feel indifferent. <laughs> what would that feed look like? Oh my god, it'd be awful. It'd just be. I guess it's what finance bros have as a Twitter feed. It's just a if lot of like earnings reports. If, if your friends aren't talking to you about stocks, working out, and eating healthy, then get new friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, a lot of those. Right. A lot of entrepreneur memes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we should probably talk about this match at the uh, at the weekend, though. Atlanta United uh, comes to Cincinnati. Atlanta, I mean, one of the highest spending teams in the league, somebody who always has really, really high uh, expectations this year, struggling. Uh, I say that as they are four points behind us. Uh, they are in 12th place, and that is how tight the Eastern Conference is. Um, wh- what's the vibe going into this one, Grayson? How do we feel going up against Atlanta? So so Atlanta's on pretty good form, um, and it, it looks like Andrew Gutman may be healthy. I mean, he did come back late in the Seattle game and won that with just like a crazy good goal if he does that against us i trust that he's not going to celebrate so you know i I wish him the best um but i don't know i think i still i still feel pretty good about this game um atlanta's been kind of an underrated disaster of their of their roster building since their first roster and since since tata martino i mean they've gone through um They've gone through. Uh, they're on their third coach, not counting the interim coach. Yep. Um, they have not really. They've not really hit on these big signings. I mean, they paid sixteen million dollars for Tiago Almada. He has three goals and six assists this year. Oh. They paid twelve million dollars for Araujo. He's got four goals and three assists. Um, Joseph isn't really what he no. used to be he hasn't yeah, he's been a healthy scratch on the starting lineup this year like and they're, they're happy to bench him and so like i don't know they don't they don't really scare me and i know they put up a lot of shots against us um when we went there but now we're at home and i think we were on you know pretty different kind of form at the time than we are now so i feel i feel pretty confident yeah, Chief, does uh, does Roman Celentano in goal this time around give you give you any more confidence going up against Atlanta? I believe it was the last time we saw Khan was against Atlanta. Uh, to me, what I'm watching for in this game and why this game is important to me is that if this team is going to take the next step, they need to they need to build momentum. 
And that means mm-hmm. stringing some wins together, not just good performances, wins together. Like you need to follow this win against Philly with another win. It can't be a, oh, we beat the number one team in the East and now it's falling back to earth with another draw or dropping points. They need to win. And beyond winning, uh, they need to integrate Miazga into this get into this team and into this game. I think Miazga should start. Um, he was training with Chelsea at Cobham. He should be match fit. He said in the broadcast, apparently, that he was match fit and ready to go. And they need to keep applying the offensive pressure. This team's identity right now is they create lots of chances. They score lots of goals. They rely on Brenner and Vasquez being the dynamic duo, the best attacking duo in the league. They just, they need to build on this Philly win. And I am, am I predicting a win? Yeah, I think they're going to win. And I think they're going to win convincingly. And this is going to be the start of their run to a playoff um, position, or I hope it will be at least. But you need to press the accelerator this week. You can't let off the gas yeah. after that momentum from Philly. And what I think is going to be neat is if they get out to a lead against Atlanta, I think that the stadium is going to get out of control. And it's going to be fun. <laughs> I mean, we didn't talk about it because, you know, it's cliche to talk about the fan environment. And, you know, you, it wasn't so awesome at the game. But it was fucking fun at TQL Stadium last week. Yes. That was fun. That was that was one of those squint and it feels like old times again with yep. how excited everybody was. And I, I think that if they can get out to any kind of an early lead against Atlanta, I, I think that the vibes are going to be off the chart. And they need to do it. They need to prove if they want to be a playoff team, they need to prove that that, that they they can do this consistently. So yeah, now I I do think Miazga is the main storyline. I, I as much as I wanted it to be about Roman avenging uh, <laughs> Alec Khan, um, Miazga is let's say probably the starter if he's claiming to be match fit. Um, I did see earlier this week uh, Laurel Failer tweeting this one out. Ian Murphy picked up uh, a knock, as it were. I, I would love to deeply explore the soccer knock at some point, but he picked up a knock uh, in the game. So how do we predict the back line starting against Atlanta? I feel like instead of just like predicting the score or whatever, I think if we can nail the back line here, I think I think we'd, we'd show something. Um I'll, I'll give it my first thought, and then and you guys can edit it. But I think we see Barial and Pal on the outsides again. I think you see Miazga in the middle. Do you see Blackett on the left, Hagland on the right? Is that is that what we'd expect? I um, think so. Yeah, I think, think so. Yeah, I think so. I I mean, <clears throat> I could see maybe. I don't know. I don't want to see Blackett out there, but I could see them throwing Blackett out there for some reason. Um, I mean, you Chief, can, do you have a yeah. – yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chief. No, go ahead. No, I'm just, I do. Oh, Stepping I, on everybody. I, I know – I know Nick <laughs> – Your turn. I know – I know uh, – I know – I know – I know Hagland has played as a as a left center back before in his career. Um, so I suppose you could go Hagland, Cameron, Miazga. Ooh. Um, but I really think it's going to be Blackett, Miaska, Hagland, and Cameron subs in at some point. Subs in, say, 60th minute for Miaska. Maybe I the, see something like that happening. Um, yeah, or... to me. 
Yeah, or you could also, and it, or if we, depending on the situation, maybe Haglin just comes out and you switch to a, or Black it just comes out and you switch to a black, you switch to a back four. Um, Ooh. but I'd be surprised if we see <laughs> you get anything. five subs, right? So pull Black it out and you put in Nelson and Caddis and you just recreate the back oh, line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Full send. It's definitely happened before, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, what I what I want to see is I want to see how Miazga pairs up with with this offense. Does Miazga mm-hmm. cover enough for Barial? that Barrial can get more adventurous or that when he is adventurous, we aren't like sweating balls coming back the other direction on the counter. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I need to see. I need to see what is Miazga like at anchoring the, uh, the last line on this and the last ditch. And, and cause we're a team, we don't like to play with the ball a ton, but when we play with the ball, we're going directly at you with pace and with fury. So if he stabilizes the back line and lets us counter, even more effectively or push numbers more forward encounter every dime we spent and every minute we spent waiting for him is going to be well spent. The the thing I'm waiting for is the first time Miazga makes like a mistake on, <laughs> on defense and seeing everybody in the fan base turn into like Don Draper where, you know, he, he every time he would like always fall in love with a new woman, but then he he would find out that she's like just as phony he as he is, or is like <laughs> is like is like needier than he thought she was, or just some way she would fall short in his eyes, and immediately you could see it in his face where it turns from you know love to just absolute loathing. And I think that we have we certainly have the ability to just be really reactionary when it comes to when it when it comes to players and and. I'm not saying I, I think it'll happen or I hope it'll happen, but I do, you know, there's going to be a time when, when, when they give up a goal because, you know, Miaz, Miaz going to miss the mark or kept a guy yeah. on side or something. There, there's nothing more American than spending a lot of money on a big high price signing and then immediately judging it and turning on them instantaneously. Couldn't be <laughs> us with Brenner at all. No, <laughs> no. no idea what Couldn't you're Couldn't be me. About. Um, I'd say a meaner podcast would take bets on which outlet has has a contributor tweet the first the first Miazga was a waste of money take. But so, it's going to be us. Uh, so I don't why, I why mean, we, like I'll take my I'll take that bet on myself a thousand times out of a thousand. I feel like Chief has got that lined up in the drafts already for halftime. So. He's got that dog in him. <laughs> <laughs> oh well gentlemen i think that's gonna do it for our uh for our episode 24 here um thanks for uh thanks for coming out thanks for joining and uh we'll we'll have to catch everybody on the next one buck columbus there we go <laughs>